You don't talk to yourself? No. Why? I mean, in my head, of course. (laughs) Talk to yourself out loud. It's so much more fun that way. Hello and welcome to episode... uh Aha, this is why I was saying I need to figure something out. Episode 157 of Space Time Taco. 157 episodes. There we go, Nate. Now we know the exact number. (laughs) And we will now know the number moving forward. Uh, I like saying it out loud so I don't have to look at it every time when I'm making the podcast cover or renaming the podcast episode number. I don't know. It's helpful. If you've listened to 157 episodes of this, I get help. Pray to whichever gods you pray to. (laughs) Get help. Um, I like to tell people, if anybody ever asks about the podcast, I say, just skip to season two. Just skip to season two. There's a couple of good things in season one. There's actually a lot of good things in season one. A lot has changed between them now and then. Yeah. But yeah, no, we're here. We're here back. We're back like the dinosaurs. Um, Does anybody remember that? Are we too old? Am I too old? Do you remember we're back? I do remember we're back. It was one of my favorite movies. (laughs) Okay. What about, uh, oh, fuck. My mind always blanks on the name of it. The the chicken movie, the rooster movie, the rocket rockadoodle, rockadoodle. Yes, I remember okay. rockadoodle. All right, good. I'm not. That's one of those ones <laughs> that people are like nobody remembers this movie. I'm like, I mean, enough people remember it. I mean, uh, people remember it, but it's different than saying, "Do you remember the Little Mermaid?" or "Do you remember Lion King?" Like everyone knows those movies. Do you remember Disney? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Nate. Well, you know what? Let's let's go right into. Hey, if you listened to last week, last week, last two weeks ago's podcast, um, Nate and I, uh, mean, I don't want to say bet, kind of an agreement. I don't know. It was kind of an agreement, kind of a challenge. Yeah, uh, Nate passed the challenge with flying colors. Um, (laughs) And you know what? Technically, I didn't... I, I was talking about this with Kim. I technically didn't fail the challenge. It's just I completed it in a different way. <laughs> um, but no, I, I recommended a show. And I, I recommended a show that I thought that you would enjoy based off of me knowing you, even though it was a sitcom. Even though it was a sitcom and you're not a sitcom person. I'm like, here's the thing that Nate, you should watch. Do it. You did it. You did a lot of it. I only told you to watch season one. I did all of it. <laughs> so, Nate, what did you think of uh, Good Place? Uh, letting everybody know, spoilers for Good Place, it's been out for years, so sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I I enjoyed the show. Um, it's really good. I think the issue I have with sitcoms is almost... Every sitcom I watch involves, there's no nice way to say this, but neurotypical people doing very neurotypical things with each other. True. Whereas The Good Place at least introduces a couple characters who don't necessarily fit that mold. Um, Chidi especially doesn't fit that mold. He is extremely anxiety-ridden throughout most of the runtime of the show. Um, But... All in all, it's it's a good premise to start with. This idea that, hey, we have an afterlife based on a system, mm-hmm. and everyone earns points while they're alive, and that determines where they go. And then you don't really discover that until the very end of season one, where there's this huge fake-out that happens 
you know, major plot twist that sets up all of season two and beyond for you. Um, and I think that's really a credit to the writers of the show to say, hey, we're going to have this finale of season one. And that gives us room to expand upon our universe even more <laughs> um, for literally three more seasons in yeah. this case. Um, out of all of them, I will say that the last season was probably my favorite. Oh, and that's okay. only because a lot of things happen in that season that sort of tie up a lot of the loose ends that we had going on in the show for so long. But they do it in such a way that the closure feels earned by everybody in the show. Now, it's Nate, not. <laughs> sorry. Uh, now, now, you know, I always ask one thing about most mm-hmm. things that we watch. Did you cry? I didn't actually cry. Oh, <laughs> okay. So here's the thing is it's not that the show isn't emotional. It certainly is. But for me, crying is one difficult and two usually reserved when something has some sort of personal meaning to me, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, was the ending sad? Absolutely. But again, that closure that the series gives you is earned in this case. It isn't a tragedy happening to these characters. It is the culmination of everything they've worked towards together. Mm-hmm. That sort of makes that ending special. Um, and like I said, I did four seasons of this show, like 60 something episodes in two weeks. Um, that's impressive. So, I mean, it is a binge worthy show. I think the move to Netflix for season four was probably a good move for them just to make it easier to binge in the oh, first no. place. It, it all released on TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it did all release on TV. Um, yeah, but, I, I had mean, to the... wait, Kim and I had to wait every week for the <laughs> show and it oh, sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the cast of the show is amazing. These are some of probably the most relatable, but also like funniest characters you're going to see in at least any sitcom I've watched, which is a very short list, (laughs) but um, they're all great. They all stick to their characters really well. They all stick to their motivations really well. Um, I remember when we were talking before, when we went to do comics earlier in the week, um, you had asked me who my favorite character Mm, was in the show. Um, I said it was Michael, but by the end of the show, that actually changed to Janet. Really? And Yeah. So it had been Janet because she is the one thing that actually sort of helps me watch the show. Because I enjoy a lot of sci-fi stuff. If this were like pure sci-fi, I'd be all in. You wouldn't have to tell me about the show. Yeah. Um, but she is essentially, in the show, she's, you know, this sort of immortal being who knows everything. But that's kind of like an AI in just any given sci-fi. She just knows everything, is able to produce anything she wants. She's kind of like an AI, but you also get her storyline of evolving as an AI throughout the show. Um, of course, each time she's rebooted, she gains sort of more sentience and personality. But she also gains so much more of that through her relationships with all the other characters And it's not just Jason, whom she's romantically involved with, Mm -hmm. but everybody else in that cast as well. Her ties to Michael are like really, really sort of heart wrenching at the end because they have this almost father daughter relationship. And Michael has to deal with the fact that like she's grown up (laughs) and he can't really handle that anymore. (laughs) Um, But like I said, all in all, it's a really, really good show Um, for me who just cannot watch sitcoms at all the fact that i binged it in two weeks 
um, should tell anybody listening or watching that, hey, you may want to give this one a shot. Uh, I will say it helps that this is a um, a very diverse cast. It's not just a whole bunch of, of uh, you know, CW white kids. Um, yeah. As opposed to, like, we've because we've mentioned um, Friends, Friends before, mm-hmm. being one of those, like, you will never watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Friends is... I get why people enjoy Friends. I have a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, who absolutely who's obsessed with friends to a ridiculous degree and i get why they like it but for people of different backgrounds it is very much a white people white peopling show (laughs) um that being said there's a cameo from one of the cast members of friends in season four of the good place yeah um i won't say who she is but she does get to play hypatia of alexandra and the probably the dumbest person's ever been on screen (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's not her fault it's not her fault but uh (laughs) No, that's also something I also really like about the show is that when they finally achieve which what they've set as sort of the ultimate goal for the series, it turns out that it's not as good as they thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't get into spoiler territory here, but like I said, it is good. Um, and like you said, it does help that it has a diverse cast. I didn't know where Senegal was until Chidi said he was from Senegal and I looked it up. I knew Senegal existed. didn't know where it was. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, just a really good show all around. Um, yes, it is kind of shitty that it's already over and that this show is sort of done with, but I think where they ended it was perfect. I don't think they had much more to do with the ca- characters that they had. Um, they built a really, really interesting world, which is a big thing for me, is just having world building in general. The fact that you can take a sitcom and set it in sort of this fantasy place rather than here's just New York or Philadelphia or DC or whatever Mm -hmm. that actually sort of drew me in from the beginning. Um, but yeah, go, go watch it. Honestly, that's all I can really say is go. If you haven't seen the good place, just go watch it. If you haven't finished it, go finish it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that was very much, um, I absolutely love the show. Uh, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it as much as you did. Um, (laughs) And how fast you did. That's so crazy. Like, I can't imagine. Because, again, I, as somebody that watched it as it came out, um, mm-hmm. just being able to see just see it all just in one go, um, mm-hmm. and that's a lot. I don't know if I was I could emotionally be prepared for that. <laughs> it's like watching an eight-hour-long movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it um, is. The amount of episodes I watched that I got to a ridiculous level. So... <laughs> But uh, moving on from that, I want to know what you think about what I told you to watch. <laughs> um, yeah. Nate, <laughs> Nate, you told me you you recommended. Uh, so I I want to ask ahead of time because obviously I recommended it thinking you would it you know it was right up your alley. Why did you recommend Edge Runners to me? Well, I recommended Edge Runners because I mean, first of all, it's probably one of my favorite anime of all time which is much to be said about about something that recently came out and is literally 10 episodes long um but i recommended it to you because we've always had this back and forth over the stuff that trigger that studio trigger produces Mm -hmm. um and the fact that you haven't liked a lot of the stuff they've come out with at the same time i think we share an opinion that 
at the very least, Gurren Lagann is a really good anime. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, my, I will say my opinion on Trigger is visually, they are one of my, like, visually, they are one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. And I just wish that they would make things that I personally enjoyed more. Like Gurren Lagann, I absolutely mm-hmm. loved. Um, I think there was one other. Let's see. Obviously, their their thing in um, S- Star Wars Visions, uh, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Anime television shows, Kill a Kill, meh, 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 meh. Um. Oh, brand new an- uh, yeah, brand new animal. I really like okay. brand new animal. Two, I like so- two. I. Um, yeah. Brand new animal is also one of my favorites from them. So yeah, that was I really enjoyed that. Um, so I think where I don't know if it's where it lost me. I got in, I think five episodes. I think I, after talking to you, I, I did watch one more episode um, mm-hmm. just to get try again. It just could not hold me. Um, but that also I think is partially because the world of cyberpunk does not interest me in any way. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and I think about it cause I think about like other cyberpunk type kind of things uh, in the first episode, the first episode I'm like, Oh, I'm kind of getting a little bit of uh, uh ghost in the shell vibe from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, I guess from there it just turned very quickly to what it actually was. And I kind of just lost interest. Um, I had it on. Mm. I watched. Like I said, I, this wasn't like I didn't. I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't on the computer. I actually watched this on the actual TV. Um, wasn't playing Pokemon because Pokemon wasn't out yet. Thank God, because I wouldn't <laughs> have gotten anything done. Um, but no, I, I just personally did not have any attachment to the characters mm. or the story or anything. Um, again, visually, I thought it looked great. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's that's all Studio Trigger. Studio Trigger makes visually beautiful shit. Yeah. Um, I still want to. I have not gotten a chance to uh, check out Promare. Promare is one of those ones that I know people fucking absolutely love that movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I just have not gotten around to going and checking it out. Because um, I believe that one is a little bit less on the... The fucky. <laughs> I guess is the <laughs> easiest way to say it. Um, well. Again... I'm not. Call, I don't call out mm-hmm. like Kill La Kill because it's like, oh, it's nothing but mm-hmm. fan service for no reason. I understand there's a reason. I, I understand, and I'm perfectly fine with that. The show itself just never grabbed me, um, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. And that's okay. Yeah. We don't all have I mean, to like the same things. Yes, that is true. No, I think, I think where Edge Runners grabs me and may lose other people is the world of cyberpunk is one that is just well it's shit honestly <laughs> um and i'm not saying that in a critical sense of like it's poorly constructed no, it's you mean that, in the world of cyberpunk yes, it is a shitty world to live in yes it is a terrible world to live in i mean you're talking about a world that basically mega corporations run that the government has no real power in at all and there is such a class divide it's literally just top or bottom there really is no yeah. middle for anybody um 
And the unfortunate thing is most of the people are on the bottom. And so through Edge Runners, we get this tale of a kid who starts at basically rock bottom. Um, doesn't even really start there. He actually starts in a pretty good place and then gets thrown into rock bottom very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, the whole, the whole, um, <laughs> Oh, your mom's not under our, under our, uh, oh, fucking, what is that thing? Insurance. So we're yeah. not going to do anything with her. We're just going to go take care of the, the rich people that are under our insurance in the mm-hmm. initial, in the initial car accident. Bullshit. Yeah. I mean, the it gets to the point where that sort of scene where he's sitting in the where David's sitting in the hospital hearing about his mother, um, it is sort of the culmination of everything that is the cyberpunk twenty twenty universe. Really, it is because you cannot afford this thing. We can do nothing for you. Mm-hmm. We actually refuse to do anything for you, and the best option we can offer you is still something you have to pay for. Yeah. Um. And so it is, that scene really hits you hard if you realize, like, hey, nobody in this world gets away scot-free from anything. Um, You're going to constantly just be punched in the face over and over again until you find a way out of it. And then through, after episode five, when we get into episode six and the time skip forward, um, you start to see what it's like to sort of claw your way out of that situation but then all the dangers that are associated with it. Now, Studio Trigger does this great job of selling you a power fantasy with David and especially Rebecca. They just go in guns blazing to every gig, gig they're handed in wreck shop. But you also have to realize, like, these people are getting shot at constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're almost getting blown up constantly. Like, they're risking a lot just basically to have a decent life. Um, and then chasing that ultimate high at the end of the series that it can lead to you literally losing your mind, um, <laughs> which is both a real thing in the cyberpunk universe, but also just a thing in real life where it's like, if you chase your ambitions relentlessly, you don't realize that you're sort of sacrificing a lot on the way. Um, so that's what makes it special to me. I mm-hmm. do get where it loses people because it's got so many themes coming at you at the same time. It's a little hard to keep up. Um, and, even with Studio Trigger's animation, I mean, their animation is good, but I also get where it turns people off because their animation is noisy, honestly. It is a lot of stuff on screen at the same time, and it's always over-exaggerated and always big. It's like punk rock animation, basically. Hmm. It's just making noise on screen <laughs> um, and then getting it all to fit together. So, um, who knows? There will be... I think we'll probably do this again <laughs> and... <laughs> Hopefully, I'll have some better recommendations in the future. Oh, but, like I said, uh, it's not like a better right. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, people have different things. There's nothing wrong with that. If yeah. we all like the same things, we wouldn't. there wouldn't be anything good. <laughs> well, we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, this this was fun for the two weeks we did it in. Yeah. <laughs> um. uh, sorry, I was trying to find stuff and got distracted um, that's fine they do have sorry i was actually looking to the other things they're working on and coming up with and uh, obviously there's the continuation of panty and stocking that they are working mm-hmm. on um and they are also doing an adaptation of a manga called delicious in dungeon um mm-hmm. i don't know it's uh, looks like it well, wouldn't be the most 
it it seems it's weird. Like looking at it, just a quick glance at it, it doesn't seem like a something that they would adapt. It's a little bit more. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's still fantasy or whatever, but it's not as out there as they normally work on things. I think. Yeah. Well, I think they've got more in their wheelhouse than people expect of them. I mean, Panty and Stocking is right up their alley. It oh, is super exaggerated, big, bombastic, all kinds of craziness going on. Um, plenty of fan service opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they do know, I- I've seen some like side projects that they worked on, things that they worked on very early on is like portfolio proof of concept stuff. Mm-hmm. They do know how to do some more subtle stuff as well. Okay. Um, so it isn't just... It's in their real house. They just haven't had opportunity to explore it, and maybe this will give them time to do that. Man, I, I wish Brand New Animal got a second season. I thought it was I do too. To. Well, the thing is, it's also kind of rushed. It suffers from the. I don't even know if Studio Gynax worked on Brand New Animal, but it suffers from the Studio Gynax pro- problem where. Imagine you're playing like a D&D campaign and you've built up all this story, but like your DM has decided, okay, we need to wrap this campaign up. We're like mm. on the last session. Yeah. And so they just toss a big bad evil guy in somewhere. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what happens at the end of Brand New Animal. Is it just like, oh, here's the evil guy who has secret powers that nobody knew about. <laughs> uh, I need to go back. I feel like he was slightly hinted at but. Maybe he was slightly into that, but uh, no, the worst example is Darling in the Franks, for sure. Oh, really? Where the, the plot literally just goes suddenly aliens, and that is the rest of the anime. <laughs> and they have all this wonderful world building up to that point. You're like, Wait, okay. hold on. That show isn't aliens to begin with? No. I thought they were using their sex robots to fight aliens. No. So, the Klaxosaurs that they fight are not aliens, Actually, they do a lore-building portion of the series where they explain that what Klaxosaurs actually are, that they are from Earth, that they're not crazy alien creatures or anything like that. And then it turns out later on in the series, after they do all this wonderful world-building of explaining what those are, explaining how humans live in this future sort of post-apocalyptic world, going through all this then the leaders of this entire society, they literally just rip the mask off and go, hey, we're aliens and we're bad guys and we're here to kill you all. And that's literally the rest of the show. <laughs> like With, like, how many it, episodes? How many? Is that, like, four episodes I forget, left? That I, like... think, I forget how many episodes are left, but it is... I watched it to the very end, and I remember getting to the end of the anime and going, I wish they literally made half of this. I wish that they... If they had stopped at the halfway point, I would have been fine. <laughs> and they just didn't, and it sucked. It was terrible. Yeah. They try to wrap it up with a little, like, after after the action happens kind of thing. They try to wrap it up in a way that Gurren Logan does, where here's all the characters, and here's them doing all their stuff. And it just feels empty and unearned. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. It happens. Some shows... Some shows don't know how to do an ending. There's so many shows that I'm like, oh, this is... Oh, no, okay, we lost it. Um, One of your favorites, uh, and not a favorite, but I really enjoyed up until, like, the end. um, Fucking Soul Eater. Yeah. Soul Eater, such a good show. And then at the end, I feel like they're like, well, it's done. They Um, they did rush to the ending a bit in Soul Eater. 
but yeah. shows like Darling and the Franks, like they don't just jump the shark. They they like fly like a spaceship over the shark, and then like stay in orbit perpetually above the shark until the series ends. Okay. <laughs> oh my God! Sorry, you're mentioning sharks, and I just <laughs> I read like it's the dumbest. It may be the dumbest. Like we know, uh, you know, the whole like um, convenience store and another or convenience or machine in another world or whatever mm-hmm. I came across uh, a shark in another world or something like this where yeah, okay. a summoner summons a shark and the shark is like super overpowered and like goes mm-hmm. from this cute little baby shark that can swim in like any surface to three headed octo shark bullshit um, mm-hmm. yeah I immediately was like no this is this is beyond what I will do um and I've read some really bad manga. Uh-huh. <laughs> this one was above and beyond the worst shit. Uh, you know, whatever. Things go weird. Things jump, the, as as they say, jump the shark. Um, but yeah. So the only other thing I really watched... Um, I... Started it up basically because I know how I am with Pokemon games. Pokemon game came out. I started playing Pokemon. When I play Pokemon, I don't really pay attention to the story. <laughs> so I throw a TV show on. And I decided, uh, with a combination of the image that they used to push this, the movie or the show, which has nothing to do with the show. I'm really kind of, not annoyed, but a little disappointed that it's not part of it more. Um in the fact that the one of the main cast members is the lead um, for the new One Piece show. The guy who is playing Luffy is one of the main three characters. Um, I wonder, I hadn't seen him in anything, so I'm like, oh, let me see how he does beyond the fact that he already seems to have... That whole fucking One Piece cast seems to have a, the, their personalities down, um, including the fact that the actor playing Zoro literally pretends to be lost all the time um but yeah uh i started watching the imperfects which is basically a show about these kids that all have the same rare disease that slowly kills them and will end up having them die by the ripe old age of 40 um which i mean hey i know a lot of people that would would be okay with going by then um stop uh uh but no, it's uh, about them and them finding out that they basically were experimented on as children and now all have different abilities. Um, they actually break it down jokingly in calling themselves a chupacabra, a banshee, and a succubus. Um, <laughs> basically, the one the one character played by... I can't remember the actor's name, but Luffy. I'm just going to say Luffy. His name is Juan. Um, he passes out and turns into basically a chupacabra um not a werewolf i like the fact that they're very much like he's not a werewolf specifically it's chupacabra i'm like okay all right i'm okay with this this is awesome um (laughs) one of them who actually is in a band like the lead singer of a band she gets super hearing uh and the ability to basically um canary canary screech kind Mm -hmm. of stuff uh, eventually she gets gets it down. At first it's like, kind of, you know how in um, 
is it X-Men? One of those movies where people can read minds and it's like, oh, there's too much noise. Um, she eventually yeah. learns to control that. Um, and then the third one uh, just has very similar to a character from the old BBC show uh, Misfits. Um, she basically has super pheromones. So if people smell her pheromones, they immediately fall head over heels in love slash lust with her and um, will literally do anything for her. Uh, mm -hmm. And one, the part of the joke for her character with that pro is the problem or the problem she has with it is the fact that she's asexual. Um, hmm. So it's an asexual person having to deal with all of these people that are like, let's fuck, let's fuck, let's fuck. I don't know anything about you. I, just, I smell you and I want to do it. Um, it's it's an interesting one. Um, poison ivy. Oh. Uh, I feel like you just read that while I was doing while I was talking about. This. <laughs> no. Um, but no, I am on. I think I have like two, maybe one or two episodes left. Um, it's only, I think it's either like eleven, twelve episodes, something like that. Only one season that I know of on Netflix. No, on Netflix they probably canceled even if they it was doing well because it's like oh it costs too much money to make this guy turn into a chupacabra um <laughs> but i've i'm enjoyed it. it it has some campy moments to it but i love a little campy shit in my weird shows um i mean hell if a show isn't slightly campy i feel like i don't like it as much if you take yourself too seriously i'm out like the fact that the fucking winchester's supernatural prequel is a thing i've watched two episodes and i'm like i don't know if i can keep going because it's just it's trying to take itself too seriously. Um, mm -hmm. And I can't. I can't. It's just bad. Um, <laughs> and this is coming from the, someone that has watched the entirety of Supernatural. Um, even beyond the point where it, the show ended and it became fan... What is it? Not fan service. Fiction. Fan fiction. I always forget words. Um, but yeah. I, if you like weird slightly sci-fi uh not super scary there, there i think there's moments that are supposed to be kind of spoopy um but uh you know if you have time check it out it's on netflix hmm. and before you know they start charging more for adding ads to netflix <laughs> <laughs> terrible idea a yeah, terrible idea well nate it looks like you read a lot of comics <laughs> <laughs> i did I've got a whole pile of comics just sitting here ready to read, and it doesn't happen that we just... It doesn't help that we keep going back to Third Eye, I keep buying more stuff, especially new stuff, where I'm like, I oh yeah, I want to read weeks. this to see if I... Like, I know. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm just... There's a lot of stuff piling up, and it's always a question of where to begin with every series, more or less. I'm actually currently... Um... I'm currently charging my tablet so I can read through and catch up on most of the things that I have. Um, gotcha. Which I, just means I have to not read manga for a while, and I'll, I'll probably catch up to everything <laughs> by the time we go to the, sh the shop again. Mm. Well, just going down this list very quickly, I don't have Poison Ivy up here to show anybody because I already boxed it, but... Um, uh, Poison Ivy is a series that's been ongoing for a little while now, about two, three months at this point. It's got six books out now. Um, but 
Poison Ivy was never really a character I was into in the Batman fiction. But uh, I think I'm coming around to comics that deal more with sort of the psychological stuff the characters have to go through more than just see bad guy, punch bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it this run? Yes, yes that run. Okay. Um, so where we start the story is basically poison ivy is kind of on she's kind of on a path of vengeance like a score she's adopted sort of the scorched earth policy um which is true to her character humans are destroying the world and humans need to go away basically (laughs) um the way she does this is she infects herself with a fictional version of the cordyceps fungus um and if you know anything about cordyceps from games like the last of us or just looking up what cordyceps is on wikipedia it is a fungus that is kind of yes and kind of no linked to sort of mind control um the one that we know the most is ophiocordyceps i think it's unilateris is the official name of it but basically it's a fungus that infects ants it controls them to an extent where it basically makes them move into a position where then it can kill the ant and the fruiting body, which actually releases spores, sprouts from the ant's head, so it can spread more. Um, <clears throat> that being said, Ivy's version doesn't really mind control anybody, but she can infect people with it, leave it dormant in their system, and then activate it whenever she wants, which basically okay. causes them to explode into giant piles of fungus. <laughs> um, so she's on this revenge path to do this, but as she's going through it, she meets people along the way who she finds out She's finding out, hey, not everybody but Harley is a terrible person. (laughs) Um, And Harley actually plays a big role in this. She's not really in the comic at all, necessarily, but the entire comic is narrated in a letter that Ivy is writing to Harley, which is a really unique way of doing the narration in a comic for this sake, because it's sort of an in-media res version of doing that. Um, That being said, she has encounters with the green man who is a scientist that in the new 52 is responsible for creating poison Ivy in her current state. Um, Ivy is also dealing with the fact that the fungus that she is infesting people with is inside her body. And also because of her hybrid DNA is barely being kept at bay, but is also slowly killing her as well. It's kind of like she has stage four cancer at this point. Um, That being said, it deals with a lot of the sort of psychology behind why Poison Ivy is what she is, the kind of character that she is, the relationship she has with other people, and deals with sort of the dichotomy between her human side and her sort of I am the embodiment of Mother Earth and need plants to take over the world side. Um, So, really interesting story for Poison Ivy. This one is like a definite read for anybody looking to pick something up um, that's already been out for a while if you just want something to sit down and binge read for a little bit. How many um, issues are there at this point? There are six issues currently. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> um, but moving on to things I can show you covers of, because they have not been boxed up yet. Um, first one on the list is this one here, Briar. Um, this I didn't know anything about before I picked it up. I literally saw it on the shelf, thought the cover was cool, and I picked it up. And when I took it up to the desk... The person there actually said, hey, we have this cover for this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, not even knowing that this was a variant cover. But uh, this one is published by Boom Studios. Um, it is. It starts off 
in the first couple pages as a classic fairy tale. I forget the name of this fairy tale, but it's the one where a princess pricks her finger on a magic spindle slash sewing machine thing and passes out and falls into an eternal sleep. Oh, um, eternal sleep? Sure. You can't... <laughs> n- nothing nothing no. connects with eternal sleep? I mean, no. Sleeping Beauty, It's yes, not Sleeping but... Beauty. Uh, it's, I know it's um, not that. It's fucking... Say my name or say your own name. Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah. Okay. So maybe it's that one. <laughs> but she pricks her finger, and what happens is it goes along the traditional route until her sort of Prince Charming slash champion slash knight shows up, um, agrees to marry her, but makes a proposal to the king and queen of this sort of kingdom and says, I'm going to be legally married to her, but I'm not going to kiss her and wake her up. <laughs> oh. Yes. And so he goes conquesting with the king takes out a bunch of nations of course they get too greedy and their kingdom falls and many many years later about a century later she's still lying on that stone slab and is basically dead like she's rotted away to bones Mm -hmm. um until someone decides to break into the ruins of the castle steals her pendant which is a pendant of the spindle she pricked her finger on Kisses her and wakes her up. And from this point on, she's more or less like a zombie. (laughs) She's trapped in sort of this walking and waking nightmare, not knowing where she is or how anything in the new world works. And very quickly, this catches up to her to the point she's almost enslaved by somebody. Um, But this is a story of someone who has never had any hardships in their life, all of a sudden being confronted with them all at the same time and having to survive through all of that. Um, I don't know where the story is going. Issue one leaves it very open-ended as far as where this could go. Um, but like I said, she is, this is a story of someone who came from privilege, never had to want for anything and now has to fight for everything that she's ever going to have in the future. Um, because no one knows who she is. No one cares about her. The kingdom's gone. Everyone thinks she's basically telling lies. So she's out there by herself. Um, but moving on from that, this one I would definitely recommend reading. Sorry, I also <laughs> just realized it's a super fucked up version of um, an even more fucked up version of what's the what's the guy that falls asleep and wakes up years later? Oh, he's like he falls asleep at the base of a tree. Oh, you mean the Buddha? No, <laughs> hold on. Guy falls asleep. For a long time, old book. <laughs> Rip Van Winkle. Hell yeah, I know how to game fucking Google. <laughs> Google was like, it is this, but also, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> there, but uh, this one, I would, if you liked the Batman movie, I would recommend reading this. Um, this is the Riddler year one. This is not the classic Riddler. This is not Edward Nygma. This is Edward Nashton, which is the one we got from the Batman movie. Um, This is a direct prequel to that movie as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I won't go too much in detail about it, but uh, the synopsis pretty much gives it away. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll start 
right here. Here we can see Edward Nash and evolve into the menace known as the Riddler. How did an unknown forensic accountant uncover the dark secrets of Gotham's underworld and become so close to bringing down the entire series? Um, and we'll skip ahead. Award-winning actor Paul Dano expands on the backstory of the character he played in the film. He is joined by acclaimed European artist Steven Subic, making his American Comics debut. Their collaboration delivers a shadowy and gritty portrait of a society's forgotten man, one who refuses to go unnoticed any longer. So what we didn't know about the Riddler before that movie is he actually worked at an accounting firm and he's actually one of the best accountants there, but goes unrecognized. He's able to crunch numbers in a way that nobody can really tell how he does it and come up with answers that people are surprised by that being said on said, he's like consistently shit on by everyone around him. Um, he's basically, He's basically at the bottom of the corporate ladder and everyone who's had all these extra privileges keeps getting ahead of them. Um, so slowly through this issue, we sort of get to understand where his resentment for just the city of Gotham, not even the entire world, but the city of Gotham comes from. Um, so I'm interested to see how that goes on. It is going to be a short series, but I'm glad that they are expanding upon a character who we actually got very little backstory for in the movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, that being said, the last one I have here to show you is another Batman tale that just cropped up, and that is this. You can't really see the title, but it is Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo. So this comic is basically what it says on the tin. Events <laughs> happen in Gotham City that require Batman and the Joker to actually team up by the end of this first issue. Um, because Batman's at a loss here. He's fighting these creatures who look very much like the Joker, but finds out, of course, they aren't. Um, Is it in any way of... like a continuation of any of the, like, uh, Dark Knight stuff? The the Dark Knight metal stuff? or No. No? Not oh, at all. okay. Yeah. Um, but it is a tale where, I mean, by the end of this, we realize, okay, Batman's kind of on his last rope here. Like, he has no way to figure this out on his own. And so he has to turn to the Joker to help him solve the sort of mystery he's got himself locked up in. Because if he doesn't, it quite literally means Batman may be beaten to death. Um, he, he fights this creature in the middle of the book where he's like, he punches him in one of the panels says, I feel a bone break. It's not his. So like, he realizes he's going against something he can't beat in his conventional way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's interesting to me. Um, so who knows this one? I've heard people talk about it. They say it's probably going to be pretty good, but as we know with Batman stories, there are a million of them out there. And some unfortunately, some <laughs> yeah, unfortunately some of them are complete and total misses. Um, who is writing that one? That, that Mark is Silvestri. being written by Silvestri and Prianto. Okay. Uh, Silvestri. Has, let's see, what else has he done? Mark Silvestri and Arif Prianto. Bunch of random shit that I don't really read. Okay, cool. Done a lot of X-Men, or Uncanny X-Men. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's a name that I, I've heard many times, but just not... Uh, somebody I've read too much. Uh, he actually did Volume 3, Issues 1 through 3 of Incredible Hulk in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Ooh, King Conan. Conan the Barbarian. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I read too, I get too many. I don't read too many comics. I <laughs> buy too many comics. Um, we talking about this. I have way too many. I still have the ones that I got last Wednesday that I still have the bag and board. They're just over there in the bag still. Um, yes. Well, I did read two more Spider-Man comics, but I'm not going to talk about them at this time. Don't yeah, no, I because I actually read those. Don't spoil that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have not read any comics. Like I said, charging the thing. Going to catch up on that soon. Um, what I have done is in the last, uh, starting from Thursday night when I went to see the Thursday night opening night of Wakanda Forever, um, up until yesterday because i haven't listened to anything today um all i have been doing in any of my spare time that has not been in front of a screen like a a personal screen not a work screen because that's where i've been listening to it um has been listened to the at this point it's an old podcast uh the magnus archives which is a uh, scripted horror podcast kind of um at first, it seems like it's more of like a just here's a whole bunch of different little spoopy stories. Um, in as the seasons or as the first season, especially because um, that's the only season I fully finished. Um, as it progresses, more and more things start connecting and coming out, coming back to like the present day and dealing with the actual uh, archivists that have been on record and talking about like these other cases that they're bringing up. Um, it is, it has very quickly become one of my favorite series I've li- like ever listened to podcast wise. Um, years ago, I say years ago because it feels like it at this point. Uh, I listened to another series called, um, oh fuck, Limetown. Is it Limetown? This is how long it's been. Yeah, I listened to. There was a podcast called Limetown. Very similar. Um, like series or uh, scripted spoopy kind of stuff um, basically that one was about someone investigating uh, disappearances and other weird events everything connecting eventually in uh, that is kind of why I was interested in this um, one of the things that kind of actually not sold me but made me want to listen to this was there is a a clip that is technically trending at one point. I think it stopped for a while, but it started popping back up because of Halloween. Um, there's an audio clip from one of the later episodes of the podcast that just listening to it, I'm like, I want more of this. I want to know what the fuck this is. Um, and I'm still probably 20, 30 episodes away from whatever happens there. Um, and it's, it's so good so far. Uh, the only downside is if... <laughs> My job doesn't let us listen to, or doesn't let us listen to uh, things with headphones in, so we have to just play it from our phones. And the way that the audio is recorded is made to sound like it's being recorded through a tape recorder, like an old school tape recorder. So the volume is not the greatest coming out of your phone, even at, t- <laughs> at full volume. Uh, so I may or may not have a secret headphone underneath my hat or my hoodie because <laughs> it's cold. And why wouldn't I be wearing a hoodie or a hat? Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it if you like, if you are somebody that likes scary things, but 
not too scary. It is like the perfect level of like, ooh, ooh, this like perfect spoopy levels for for the faint of heart, probably, I guess. On yeah. um, It's not Eldritch Horror invading my mind scary. <laughs> no, see, that's not scary. That's the kind of shit I like. Because, um, like, if there was a way to go back in time and knock the racism out of H.P. Lovecraft, um, mm-hmm. I would enjoy his writing so much more. The only reason I can enjoy what I have read of his so much is because I've never paid a single cent for it. Um, <laughs> not not just through the normal means, like the normal fun means. Uh, no sailing the the seven seas for any of that content. They literally give that shit away. Like yeah. you can find collections of H.P. Lovecraft on just Google Play Books for free. Mm-hmm. They just give it away. It's kind of like Edgar Allan Poe. I don't think he's racist. He probably was racist. He's old and white. Um, <laughs> but he definitely didn't name his cat the N-word, that's for sure. Um, Did H.P. Lovecraft name his cat the N-word? Did you not know this? No. Yeah, H.P. Lovecraft cat name. Name the cat. I can't read out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was that yeah. The name of the cat seemed to be a dark breed of ragdoll. I guess is a type of cat. Um, his name was N-word Man. Okay, I think I've discovered probably the most delusionally racist person I've ever heard of. Now, <laughs> I mean, I already know who like the most delusionally non-racist person is. That's John Brown, but. <laughs> That's what we should do. We should go back in time and have John Brown and H.P. Lovecraft meet. John Brown wouldn't say anything and shoot H.P. Lovecraft right in the face, but... <laughs> but see, just <clears throat> be not racist, and I could <laughs> Your stuff would have been so much better. Um, uh, 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 what was I saying? Yeah, so it... <laughs> it doesn't touch directly on that kind of stuff, but it is very much... It goes from, like, normal haunting ghost kind of things and eventually does get to the point where you're like, oh, we're talking about stuff that has existed since early, early years, mm-hmm. centuries ago. Cosmic um, horror. Kind of, to a certain extent, yeah. Um, I will say, just like a, for, like, trigger warning kind of stuff, a lot of bug stuff. Um, so if you are icked out by bugs in that tryptophobia What's that thing? Mm-hmm. The honeycomb f- fear. I can't remember what it's called. Let me just do this. Fear of a lot of holes. <laughs> yeah. If you have that, uh, obviously it is, it is tryptophobia. <laughs> okay. It is a audio podcast, but they talk about many people that have that on their body. Um, so like if just hearing it, sorry, one, I am so sorry if you just heard that and that triggered that in any way because i i mean i do you get that thing where people talk about like something that happened to their body and you immediately go oh that part of my body hurts and i am feeling that pain for you in a level (laughs) that my brain can process it currently um i mean i don't but i also don't have any tattoos yet so (laughs) what's that have to do with tattoos (laughs) i feel like tattoos are a unique pain experience that people still go through because they enjoy it for some reason oh i didn't mean i said i was just <laughs> meant any kind of pain not tattoo pain well no i haven't experienced any fortunately grievous injuries 
Yeah, no, no, I know. I mean, like, you, your print, your mind doesn't be like, oh, my finger dislocated, and you don't immediately go like, ooh, oh, ugh, I feel my brain is like mm-hmm. imagining what that would feel like, and I'm like, bleh, bleh, bleh. you don't get that. That's, no, I, no. I guess where I do get it is when there are scenes in TV shows or movies of something crawling around inside someone's body, like mm, the yeah. the scarabs from the Mummy, for example. Mm-hmm. Those are just really fucking creepy. <laughs> uh, just random. And I don't know if scarabs can actually do that, which makes it even more terrifying. <laughs> Who knows? There's so much from our childhood that we're like, oh, God, I don't want that to happen to me. That probably could never happen. Uh, real I mean, quick, just for anybody, that any any video watchers, if you, you can just see a cute little, <laughs> cute little sleeping smudge right next to me. Yes. Um, sorry, just I just right have on the pillow. It's fucking adorable. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, back to the, the the podcast. I highly recommend it. Again, perfect level of spoopy. Not too much, but just enough to get you like, ooh, I listen to this when I'm not at home alone. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I love podcasts, man. That's that's why mm-hmm. I, I like long drives. And I would, you know, if there were, I'll be honest, though, if there were trains, I'd probably also listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you man trains of the future <laughs> trains were the past and they should be the continuation of that uh, <laughs> of the future um yeah you know whatever on to so i feel like i have a lot to say about my thing if you want to mm-hmm. go through your things first well i will talk about my thing in relation to your thing unfortunately i do not have scarlet yet because i bought another thing i'm going to talk about um which is 40k dark tide oh okay (laughs) no um 40k dark tide is 40 dollars on steam right now um and you can buy it and play it right now but it's in a early access slash beta phase um for purchasing the game um this is a game that does take after Vermintide, so if you like the Vermintide games and care anything all about 40k, this is probably a game right up your alley. But it's also a game up your alley if you like sort of RPG-ish slash Left 4 Dead style gameplay, more or less. Um, it is a horde shooter with a focus on both shooting and melee combat. Um, and the tempo that you have to kind of maintain to make that work in perfect harmony. Um, every character in the game, there are four classes in the game. They each have their own unique abilities. You have a psyker, a preacher, a ogren skull crusher, which is a really big dude. And you have a sharpshooter veteran. Um, each of these has their own sort of strengths and weaknesses, but everything sort of gels really good when they all are together. And that's actually a core mechanic of the game. You have this thing called coherency, which is kind of an aura around your character at all times. Mm -hmm. And you want to maintain as much coherency as possible because that's what regens what's called your toughness, which is sort of like your shield against damage in this game. Um, When your toughness drops to zero, you do start taking health damage. But by maintaining that coherency and the more of it you maintain, meaning keeping all four players close together, um, the faster you regenerate that toughness. So... There are a lot of mechanics in this game. I won't go into them all. I will say if you like 40K universe, if you liked games like, uh, what was it? Space Hulk Deathwing, for example, which was another horror shooter set in the 40K universe. Um, Sorry, it sounds like just random words thrown together for a second. (laughs) So to, to explain what that means, though, a Space Hulk is just a really big ship. 
um, like a continent-sized vessel, more or less. And okay. Deathwing is a special branch of the army that I play in 40k. The uh, Dark Angels that I played on tabletop with you during Extra Life, those Space Marines are part of that chapter. Deathwing is like the elite Dark Angels, um, and they all wear these big beefy suits of armor called Terminator suits. And so they go into these big ships and sort of clear them out and recover lost technology and stuff like that. Um, but this game is very much more, you start out as basically a prisoner on a ship. You're not someone special in the 40 K universe. You're not someone destined for greatness or anything like that. You are basically human trash. Hmm. Um, and through, by just a stroke of luck, you are allowed to participate in this, in all these operations that are more or less suicide missions. You're expected to die basically. And so the idea is that you can triumph over this evil that is infecting the universe um, and get stronger as you do it. That's the game doesn't have a whole lot of story to throw at you, but that's the main theme of it is you start out as a lowly grunt and you work your way up mm -hmm. to being something special. Um, every character really is there to do the one thing, which is to codify sort of enact what's called the Imperial truth through their actions. The Imperial truth is this idea that the emperor has all these guiding principles, which are basically just culminate into do the emperor's will exterminate the alien, exterminate the mutant, exterminate the heretic. That's your job. <laughs> um, and so you are launched onto this hive city during every mission called Tertia. And each level right now has you fighting against the forces of Nurgle, who's one of the four chaos gods in the universe. Nurgle represents death, disease, infection, sickness, all the stuff like that. And you've got all these chaos cultists who have joined his side and are infected by him and stuff like that. And so your job is to go in and eliminate them and fuck with their plans. So they can't take over an entire hive city. And a hive city is not like, Oh, it's a city full of people. It's like a mega city in the dread universe. You're talking trillions of people live in these things. <laughs> um, they're humongous, but, uh, all in all, I mean, it's a fun game. If you just want to do like senseless horde shooter stuff, it has that. Um, it does require a little bit more focus out of the average player though. You can't just rush in blindly and expect to succeed. Mm -hmm. The director for this game, which is sort of the AI that controls the action is really good. Cause it's going to know, like, oh, this person decided to rush ahead or lag behind and they're separated from the group, the director will find ways to fuck with you because of that and teach you a lesson. <laughs> um, it's it's going to spawn specials and all kinds of stuff in your face. Um, the weapon variety in this game is really good, both for ranged and melee combat. Um, everything in it feels good so far. I will say it is beta access, so the gripes that people have with the game are because it's in beta access currently. Mm -hmm. um, there are some performance... Fixed. Stuff that will be fixed. I mean, there are performance issues. There are connect connectivity issues. There are some crashes that happen, but I've not encountered anything that's necessarily game ruining at this point. Okay. Um, that being said, again, if you like 40K or you just like horror shooters that you can sit down and play a game with friends that takes like 30 minutes to play, this is probably right up your alley, honestly. Um, I know it's not for everybody out there, but, you know, 40k is what it is it's yeah. disgusting it's grimdark well it's it... also i i think <laughs> this also appeals to more people than 40k would because um mm -hmm. it is like real-time action gameplay yeah. not turn-based kind of stuff um yeah 
And I think that's that's something that sucks for a lot of people. There is a lot of people that won't get into things that have really interesting and deep worlds <laughs> just because the gameplay isn't the type of gameplay they want. Like, for I, I mean, we've, we've talked about it. There are so many ta tactical games that or mm -hmm. uh, turn-based games that I'm like, eh, I would love to. Visually, the design and the characters and things of this world look incredible, but it's not my kind of gameplay. So, um, yeah. Like, hell, they put out fucking a Mario Rabbids game. And I'm like, hell yeah. Oh, it's turn-based. Now I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that being said, I, I understand entirely. Space Marine was probably one of the best 40K games out there and sold to the largest population of players, period. 40, Space Marine is their most popular game by, by mm -hmm. far. Um, and that's because it was very much real-time action. I mean, it was basically God of War but you were a space marine fighting orcs. So, um, but yeah, I would say, it, I mean, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. I like it a lot. Um, but moving on from that, um, Modern Warfare 2 did do their big update over the week. Of course, Warzone 2.0 is out now. I haven't played any Warzone because they now have a new mode that's in beta called DMZ. Um, DMZ does drop you onto the full Warzone map. You're not jumping out of a plane. You just kind of get inserted somewhere on the map. Mm -hmm. But it's very much a game that mixes things like, I'm going to say, Escape from Tarkov and Division 2 style PvP gameplay. Um, so the way this works is, again, you are dropped onto the full Warzone map, but you're not playing Warzone. You're not just playing against other players all the yeah. time. Um, there are AI bots on the map, and um, there's missions and stuff to do all around the area. You can load up to three quests before you start go deploying into the map. So you have stuff that's actually like beneficial for you to do because it gets you extra XP mm -hmm. for completing it. Maybe gets you extra rewards as well. Um, and so as you go through this map, you're going to mostly be taking down AI. You may encounter enemy players at a certain point, which of course you're going to try to take them out before they take you out. Um, but this is just a calmer way for me to play an open world call of duty. I'm not yeah. sweating all the time because I'm worried there's a camper around every freaking corner now. Um, like I was in Warzone. I'm not worried about, Oh, let me get the perfect movement mechanics down so I can learn to break people's cameras when I encounter them. Um, nothing like that. Um, but down to sort of the basis of this is all the weapons you have are considered contraband. So mm. this is where sort of the Tarkov style gameplay comes in. You can select these weapons from your contraband pool and bring them in, but if you die during that run, those weapons are lost. Um, that being said, there's also plenty of weapons to get. You kill an enemy, they're basically going to drop a weapon for you. Yeah. Um, so you can lose some pretty good stuff if you're not careful. Um, the gearing in it works a little bit different from Warzone. Instead of starting with three plates, you actually have to pick up vest that you find that lets you add more plates to your vest. Same thing with backpacks. You start with a small backpack. You can upgrade to medium and large. And again, you lose this stuff if you die. So it's like if you get a large backpack, now you have a decision. Do I continue in looting because now I can fit more stuff in my backpack? Or do I go to an extraction zone and get the fuck out because I want to keep this? Um, the extraction is very much division-based where you call in a chopper. It takes a while to arrive. 
And anybody who's near you now knows you've called in that chopper. They can see a flare in the sky. They get an alert on their screen that someone's extracting nearby them, all the stuff like that. So that's very much a race against time and being careful that you aren't taken out. The thing is, the chopper, even after your whole team's in, it takes five seconds to take off. So in that five seconds, anyone could jump through one of the doors and take your squad out. Like, it's happened. We've done it to other people. Kind of makes me think of um, uh, Titanfall. Yes. I mean, I've done it to other people before where it's like, oh, I see this guy extracting. I did it on one of my last games where he jumped in the chopper. I jumped in the side door, shotgunned him in the face, killed him and took his chopper away from him. Um, my, my buddy James there. sent me a funny clip of him doing this to a squad of three people while he was playing solo. He jumped in their chopper, killed all three of them. And the funny thing is he didn't even extract at that time. He jumped back out of the chopper and let it go away oh so he God. could go get their loot from them. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of funny crazy stuff in this. The AI in this game, by the way, they aren't just dopes. They aren't just random cannon fodder for you to mow down. They are accurate and they are deadly. Okay. Um, in groups, they will kill you as fast as a player would. So you have to be careful about how you approach every encounter. Am I going to deal with these guys over here, or am I going to go somewhere else? Do I have to deal with these guys in the first place, or can I go around them in some way? What's my mission timer right now for this current side mission I picked up from the map? All those things you have to consider. Um, But it's a very easy way for someone to get into Call of Duty who just wants co-op gameplay, right? Who doesn't want to go into TDM and sweat a bunch, who doesn't want to go into Warzone and sweat even harder, but someone who just wants to enjoy Call of Duty with a group of friends without the typical oh, we're going to go play, like, two Spec Ops missions, which suck. So, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's great. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's probably my favorite mode in the game so far. You get a ton of XP for just getting in and out, honestly. Mm. Um, And it gives you just a whole new way to experience Call of Duty that I think people who may have not liked Call of Duty before might actually like this mode above everything else. And this is part of the Warzone within Warzone, so it is free to play completely, right? I believe so. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, I know because you you have it labeled as Modern Warfare 2, but I think that's only because of the fact that they updated Warzone to be Modern Warfare 2. Um, Yes. Okay. Yeah. I like free games. (laughs) (laughs) I had fun. I played Warzone a couple of times. Um, I I feel like... I feel like some of the, the the games like that I just don't enjoy as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we played, right? I mean, thinking back, we used to play the shit out of fucking, uh, what was that game? The Battle, Battle, uh, Battlegrounds, Player Unknown. Yeah. Um, pu- the PUBGs. We used to play so fucking <laughs> much of that game. Um, but no, I have not played any of those games, Nate. All I have been playing... Since Friday, since Friday, literally for three days, uh, I haven't really played anything else. Um, but hey, guess what? Pokemon's out. New Pokemon's out again. Every year, there's some Pokemon. This year there were two, right? Yeah, Arceus came out at the beginning of this year, which is fucking crazy if you think about it. Um, yes. But as you said, you were planning on getting Scarlet, and I hope I, maybe you might still be getting it. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but yeah, I picked up Pokemon Violet. Uh, I, between the options of Weedcat, um, Doofy, Crocodile, mm-hmm. and, uh, Gay Duck, uh, I made the obvious choice, which I make almost every <laughs> game, Gay Duck. Um, 
I there's only ever been one Pokemon game that I didn't pick the water starter, and that was Sun and Moon because fuck Poplio. Um, <laughs> seriously, What's wrong with Poplio? No, nobody likes Poplio, Nate. Don't even. Um, What's wrong with Poplio? The only good thing that Poplio had going for it was the fact that it didn't evolve. Its final evolution wasn't bipedal. Um, <laughs> that's also because it's a seal. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I went with uh, I went with Quaxley, the the water the water duck. Which I mean, ooh, that's so so original a, a water duck. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I left something in podcast chat for you, by the way. Oh God, I don't even <laughs> want to know. You said you put something in podcast chat. Yes. I'm so mad that you have that. I want to delete it, <laughs> delete it from existence. Um, but no, I uh, played it immediately. Got home immediately. Played it once I got home. Played for five hours straight. Um, I can't have many things to say. Uh, first of all, we're gonna start with the good. Straight on with the good. I fucking love this game. It is everything. It is more than I wanted out of a. a full console Pokemon game because to me mm-hmm. Sword and Shield was what I wanted out of a full console Pokemon game just Pokemon on a console with 3D everything um, mm-hmm. I didn't need it to completely re- 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 revolutionize the entire game uh, I didn't need it to be Breath of the I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of an O an O Pokemon or, or, uh, or W Pokemon and I can't think of anything Breath of the uh, the Wooper um, <laughs> Breath of the Wild Yeah, what? That, maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, I I absolutely love it. Um, some of the new Pokemon are adorable as fuck. Uh, on the other hand, when while we do have a new uh, rodent Pokemon, um, he is not technically the the rodent Pokemon equivalent of Rattata. This game's Rattata is fucking Lechonk, and goddamn. I went from loving Lechonk before the game to I never want to see another Lechonk <laughs> ever again. Um, and it, this is, it, it does have that same kind of style of interacting with Pokemon that Arceus has, um, where you see the Pokemon, you can actually go approach them, run away from them, all that. No random battles. Uh, which I like. I really like the way that works. It is funny, though, because the way that it does work sometimes, you will be in the middle of a fight, and while you're fighting, which is different from... No, I think Arceus kind of did the same thing. Um... <gasps> Kim's in the podcast. Hi, Kim. Nate says hi. Um... <clears throat> while you are in the middle of fights other Pokemon will sometimes crowd around you and like I have finished a fight, <laughs> called a Pokemon finished a fight, whatever, got out and as I'm standing there, I'm surrounded by like 20 fucking Pokemon like, <laughs> I don't want to fight any of you right now um, nah. it can be sometimes, it can be pretty fucking intense, like not thinking about it, cause you will sometimes leave a fight and something will come at you right as you finish the fight and you are already in another battle and that is the closest to a random battle that you get and i actually think that's a really cool idea um i just love the idea that you could be jumped by pokemon (laughs) yeah uh they have they they have these things where basically some most of the time you'll see just individual pokemon spawn around uh every now and then you'll see a group of like five or six that spawn around 
Um, sometimes it's one random Pokemon and a whole bunch around them, and I'm like, oh god, that guy's gonna get fucked. Um, but then it's cool in certain areas you'll see, like, a circle of first stage evolutions in the next stage evolution in the center, kind of like it's the mother or the parent of that little group or something. Um, and I think that's just a, a cool idea that I've never seen in it or, or they haven't done in other Pokemon games yet. Um, they also have basically what are considered outbreak areas where mm-hmm. a certain Pokemon will spawn at an endless rate. Um, and those usually are where people are shiny hunting if you're doing it that way instead of um, mm-hmm. the uh, the breeding technique, which if I end up getting to the point that I'm shiny hunting, I'm probably just going to have ditto fuck every Pokemon. Um, <laughs> why not? Uh, another thing that I'm very excited about is the return of what used to be called Wonder Trade. Uh, it is now called Surprise Trade, um, which is you take a Pokemon, you don't want that Pokemon, or you want to just give that Pokemon away, you can be like, hey internet mm. world have this and you get a random pokemon in return from someone else that is doing the same thing and while this a lot of the times can result in a shit ton of lechonks being shared um <laughs> it can also result in oh hey here is a level one of one of the other starters that you didn't get because you can only pick one starter they aren't wild in the mm. world but because people are already at that point where it's where they're breeding to try and get shinies they will trade away all of their other Pokemon. Um, and I love that. It's great. It's how I ended up in I think X and Y I started with a Hone I, I like traded away some early level Pokemon and got a Hone Edge and I fucking <laughs> or Aegislash? Aegislash. Hone Edge? I don't know. One of those things. A little <laughs> sword Pokemon with the eyeball. Um, fucking love that thing. He he was with me all the way to the Elite Four. Um, that's, that's actually really neat because that mirrors a mechanic in Forza, actually. <laughs> you can trade out cars? So, a big part of Forza is these barn finds. Mm-hmm. So, in each game, you would get notices about, hey, there's a barn find near you. And you have to drive around the map and find the barn, and usually you find like a really cool car inside that would then be rebuilt as you play the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, well, something they added to Horizon 5 was the ability to do gift drops at these barns. So at any time you can go into your cars menu and you can look at all the cars you have and thank God they finally added a duplicates filter to the fucking menu. <laughs> um, but you can go to any cars you have and you can gift drop them. And that just puts it out in the world and sends it to a random player, basically. Now there are filters for like which kind of player you can send to. Like you can do uh, new players or Hall of Famers, which are people who have beaten the whole story or mm-hmm. just basically anybody, really. Um but it puts it out there, randomly gifts that car to a person. They get a little blip on their map that shows them, hey, someone left you a car at this barn, go pick it up. You roll up to that barn and you get whatever car they left you and you can leave them a little thank you note um, afterwards. So to see that mirrored in Pokemon is actually really interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. I knew that Wonder Trade was always around, but having the surprise trade feature just adds that extra element of sort of you don't even have to play the game with other people to be a part of the larger community. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I've gotten some um, some fun later area Pokemon. Like, they're still lower level because it's... Well, again, I've got a lot of level one things because people are just trying to evolve things or uh, get their shinies or whatever. Um, but no, I, I, like I said, absolutely loving it so far um, with that, especially that. I'm so glad that's back. 
Um, I'm trying to think of any main game stuff that I'm, I want to like talk about the good side of it. Cause like it is, it's, I mean, all I can really say is that the gameplay and everything is fun. Um, in as enjoyable as you would expect from a Pokemon game. Uh, nothing super new. Uh, I haven't really played too much around with the whole picnic aspect, which is they're like, they, every once, they keep throwing in different ways for you to directly interact with your Pokemon. Um, and it's kind of cute. I played, I maybe went in once. You're supposed to be able to make sandwiches. I haven't done that yet. I want to, but it just makes me hungry. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I hate to say to get onto the bad side, but as we saw in the trailers leading up to it, um, you could see there was some graphical inconsistencies, uh, is the best way to say it. Um, this game has a lot of frame rate issues. Uh, it has a lot of just visual glitches and things that from the number one like you can see in this trailer, literally the trailer that I'm playing. If you look at the kids in the background, they're like ten frames per second moving around, <laughs> yeah. um, while you are moving pretty well, and the characters you directly interact with are pretty good. The further something away is, the lower the frame rate is. Um, mm -hmm. Like to the point, and it may—I want to say it makes sense. I can understand it. If you are trying to use that as a process, a way to save processing power in some way, um, the problem is uh, when you are very close in a room with somebody. For instance, you have to go into a schoolroom, <laughs> and three of the kids that you directly interact with are moving at a normal frame rate, while everyone else is. Else <laughs> um, is moving like a slideshow. It's it's pretty weird and very obvious um and i've seen a lot of people being like oh this is why pokemon this is why nintendo needs to put out a new console mm -hmm. and you then think about the fact that breath of the wild looked incredible um fucking well, other game companies have put out other games more recently even or even even at the beginning like dragon age games not dragon age dragon uh quest, quest. dragon quest games um People are talking about Monster Hunter Rise and how great that game looks. Mm -hmm. um, and then you look at some of the stuff that we're getting. The Blades of Grass don't don't even. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, to a certain extent, I was kind of like, I don't fucking care. I don't really care. I'm still enjoying the shit out of this game. That isn't what is important to me. Uh, what sucks, though, um, after me playing for as long as I did, I had a fucking intense headache uh, to the point that I, I'm like, I'm going to take some medicine, go take a shower, lay down for a little bit. I, I went to bed. I fell asleep and woke up the next day. Um, it was, mm -hmm. it was that bad of a headache that I needed to sleep. Um, I woke up and Kim was like, Hey, yeah, it turns out um, the varying frame rates, the shitty frame rates or whatever are causing a lot of people to get headaches for playing, from playing this game for long periods of time. Um, and yes, you shouldn't play, mm -hmm. technically, I guess, you shouldn't play five hours straight of a fucking video game. But you should. Um, fuck you. I can play well. what I want. Um, I've played, here's the thing. I've played Minecraft for over eight hours straight. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am perfectly fine with admitting that. <laughs> I don't have a problem. I'm just really good at getting sucked into fucking Minecraft. Um, mm -hmm. I've played that game 
over eight hours straight, no headache, no, no, no issue whatsoever. Um, maybe a little dehydrated, but that's because I didn't fucking drink. Um, five hours of Pokemon should not leave me in the, at the Mm -hmm. point that I need to fucking go to sleep. Um, someone told me that someone had said that this was, this shows like the limits of the Switch's hardware and so on and so forth. But again, it doesn't because we had games like Breath of the Wild and stuff like that. This is Game Freak entering new territory, more or less. Yes, they released other 3D Pokemon games on the Switch, but this is really an endeavor in making a full open world mm-hmm. Pokemon game. I um, I kind of chalk it up, chalk, chalk it, chalk it, chalk it, chalk it, uh, mm-hmm. up to a combination of this is their biggest, most ambitious project um, on top of them not giving themselves enough time to work on this project. Uh, while, yes, we get to see the slow progression of, okay, the first full 3D game was Sword and Shield. Um, mm-hmm. And people were giving it shit for the lower quality textures and stuff like that already. Then you had Arceus that was very much, this is the first open world-esque Pokemon game. Um and people that the same frame rate issue and the same lower texture quality textures were in that that people complained about for this. Um, and it just really feels like it's not they it's not that they don't have the money. I feel like they are just not giving themselves the time. Because, um, yeah, like I, mean, I said, we had two back to back. I want to say back to back games. We had two games in one year. Well, yes. It's not so, It's not like Call of Duty where there are at least multiple studios mm-hmm. working on this. This is just Pokemon Company working on these games. Well, yeah. It, or sorry, Game Freak. Working I on mean, games. time is a big factor in this. The more I learn about optimization, the more I'm realizing that the number one resource in optimizing a game is time. Um, because you need time to iron out bugs. You need mm-hmm. time to polish things. Um there was actually a news story that I forgot to put on the notes that I was going to talk about, but we just don't have time in this podcast. And that is uh, Mick Gorn's response to the producer of Doom Eternal. Um, There's a massive controversy regarding basically his job, him not getting paid for 11 months, and then the announcement of the Doom Eternal OST, which oh, he was given yeah. no prior warning for. Um, so we got some explanation of why the Doom... OST turned out to be such a terrible version of every song McCorton produced for that that game. Um, but outside of all that, um, yeah, I think they just did not have time to optimize this. I think it's weird for a game like Pokemon to be on a yearly release schedule. Yeah. Because if you think about Pokemon's number one strength, it is replayability. It is that ability to keep experiencing the world even after you've beaten the main story to catch more Pokemon, to do more battles, and to trade with more people to really... I mean, when I was playing Red, my goal was get 151 Pokemon in my Pokedex. Um, And so I think that's where they're missing out is does Nintendo really want to turn Game Freak and the Pokemon Company into that developer that keeps up with that yearly release schedule that triple A's are currently on. Is that even necessary to make successful Pokemon games? And I think unfortunately what they've done here is they've kind of shot themselves in the foot 
because this isn't like a PC release where you can hot fix everyone over the internet, you know, that day. It isn't, we can just release an update for this game because we have robust net code that lets us do that. Nintendo does not have robust net code at all. No, they <laughs> um, do it. I mean, they've, they've been able yeah. to push out fixes for games like this. I think well, they all are able to, especially yeah. in the case for this where it's, hey, it's just on Nintendo. It is a single mm-hmm. console. They aren't having to do it for multiple different levels of console. Well, um, and I again, that doesn't really help because mm-hmm. that, again, they had one one thing to focus on. Um, I, w- I, I wish that we could get somebody in. There could be like a uh, an article come out where it's like, this mm-hmm. is the reason. This is this this is where the, the constraints are coming from. These are the people that are putting it on. Because I, I sometimes wonder if it is in any way Nintendo. Because um, mm-hmm. they weren't a yearly. Pokemon wasn't a yearly thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of they hit a point where it's we can remake games mm-hmm. and put, more, put them out, put more out in a row. But who fucking knows? Yeah. Well, uh, the answer to Nintendo, from what we know of history, is probably a yes and no. It is a no in the fact that they are hard pushing to get a Pokemon game out every year. And more of a yes in the fact that Game Freak made a commitment to put the game out in a year and didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and that's a real sucky. The one thing that I would hate the most is for Game Freak to turn into what is called in Japan a black company. Um a company that is that overworks their employees to the point that many of them just end up dying on the job, honestly. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about not like dying because they're doing dangerous work. They're dying because they're underfed, underslept, and underhydrated at their office. And a lot <laughs> of them get reincarnated in other worlds, according to what I read. <laughs> yes. Oh, Nate. Um, what the hell happened to my camera? I don't know. It's a horror podcast now. The ghosts have taken over. <laughs> yeah, Nate's camera is fully decided well, to fork itself. Let me uh, just restart my camera feed. It's all me. Hey, Nate's back. There we go. <laughs> Holy mother forking shirt balls. Oh. <laughs> um, but no, so uh, more, more downsides, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. While there are some quality of life changes that have been added uh like you can they still have the thing where you can access your box and change out your pokemon wherever you are um they added a new thing called quick heal or instant heal Mm -hmm. i can't remember the actual wording um where instead of having to go in and get a potion and apply it to every individual pokemon you can literally just hit the minus button and it'll just heal them all the way up to full health uh which i think is really cool um one of the biggest annoyances, in my opinion, and it's it's something so stupid, uh, they, I remember in one of the more recent games, you being able to organize your boxes, you hitting a button and it organizes them by either their name, their, their number or anything like that, level something. Um, I know 100% you can do this in Pokemon Go. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like they have stripped some of that sorting ability. Uh, so when you go into your box, if you aren't constantly doing that as you catch Pokemon, it's just a fucking mess. It's so annoying finding Pokemon. It's You can't sort. You can search by their their type um, their, if they have a certain attack. Uh, but you can't specifically search like a name or to alphabetize or anything like that. Um, and that seems very much like a hey, we could very quickly just put a patch out, maybe. Um, 
it's so weird that they do have like a search button that just doesn't feel like it searches enough or correctly. Um, I don't know. That just might be a me thing. Some people that don't even look at things. Um, see, and I, I don't want to complain about any like the glitches and things that people are having because I haven't really had too many bad. Uh, I had one. I saw one person complaining about the fact that it got stuck on an island. And I'm like, you didn't get stuck on an island though. It's really easy to get off of islands, <laughs> even before you have the ability to swim. Um, for instance, I found out that I accidentally found a sequence break in the game. Um, <laughs> it is a very easy to do sequence break. Uh, basically, the way that the game progresses is you have the tutorial area that leads you to the first town that gets you to the school, like the big town where the school is. And once you get to that school, there's a whole chunk of like unskippable shit that you have to go through. Um, before that, in the first town you go to, there is a single cliffside where you go up to a part and then there's a break and then there's another side of a cliff. Where it's like, oh, I can't get there. I don't. I can't ride on the Pokemon yet that jumps. Um, but there are Pokemon over there, so you can fight them. In the way that the game allows you to fight Pokemon, target directly is you do lock onto Pokemon and then you throw a Pokeball at them, like one of your Pokemon's Pokeballs at it. It will then initiate a battle, but also teleport you to a surface near that Pokemon. Mm -hmm. When it puts you there, one it's filled with Pokemon that are, like, way over the level that you should be fighting right then. Um, but if you just keep going up and around that mountain, that, that cliffside, you can actually skip over having to go through the whole school area to get the rest of the open world. Like, you literally mm -hmm. go over to this other side of the cliff, walk around, and you have access to the entire world. Um <laughs> And it's awesome. And I wish I would have known that before I went through all the school stuff. Because, God <laughs> damn it. That school is, it is, that whole area is where I saw the worst of the frame rate issues. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, that whole classroom full of robot children that are just. Mm -hmm. um, no, I mean, the, the story with glitches is always never the same between players. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, when, for example, when Cyberpunk first came out, everyone was yeah. talking about, oh, well, we got this glitch, we got this glitch, so on and so forth, you know. And when I was playing it, I'm like, well, I didn't have all these glitches. Like, what's going on? And it's not because yeah. I had a better system than anybody or anything like that. It's just the glitches glitches are random by their nature. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so when people film this stuff and, like, set it up on YouTube or you get a Twitch clip of it or whatever like that, you have to realize that that glitch happened in their permutation of that game. It doesn't happen in all permutations of the game. I will say um, one fun thing that uh, the internet has found out that you can do um, is a, they call it the BLJ, backwards long jump which is a mm -hmm. term that people that play or watch any Mario 64 speedruns know, uh, where Mario will literally jump backwards really quickly and get breakthrough mm -hmm. walls that they're not allowed to. Uh, basically, what happens in this is while you're riding either of the, the ride Pokemon, legendary ride Pokemon, um, mm -hmm. you, instead of facing up a, a mountainside, you just face down and jump back <laughs> continuously up the mountainside. Kind of, you kind of reverse uh, Skyrim horse it. 
Um, <laughs> I haven't tried it out myself, but I've seen multiple videos of other people doing it. I'm like, this looks fucking stupid, and I'm going to try it. <laughs> uh, well, it's dead, I, I highly recommend, if you have not played Pokemon in a while, if you've been mm -hmm. like, oh, nothing changes, it's always the same game over and over again, one, that's okay. I'm okay mm -hmm. with that because they add enough, they change enough, they tweak a little here and there. They change a whole hell of a lot more than Madden does every year, and that's the same fucking game. Um, what are you talking to? Are you telling no, me that mm, there aren't mm, like 40 different ways to play football? <laughs> I will say it's fun that we finally hit a thousand Pokemon. We've mm -hmm. finally hit that thousand Pokemon and people are making fun of the last Pokemon because it's the evolved form of Gimme Ghoul. Yes. who was basically this giant golden bro. <laughs> it's Kim again. It's Kim again. Um, yeah. yeah would... Otherwise, you know, I go fucking play Pokemon. If you don't want to play Pokemon, don't play Pokemon. You don't have to. Nobody's nobody's oh, forcing you. I still have Let's Go Eevee, and I barely touched that game. Um, but no, I will. I'll probably pick up Scarlet because it has that co-op element in it. It has yeah. those rage you can do. Um, I think that's going to make it more fun for me is being able to sit down and play it with other people. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I understand it's got its technical flaws here and there, but. What can you expect from a game that has been an 8-bit up till like, very recently? <laughs> yeah. Now, and that's the thing. If the next game, then, because I'm sure, if because this is, like, the most pre-ordered Pokemon game of all time and probably going to be one of the highest-selling Pokemon games of all time. If the next game, which is definitely going to be just like this game, like, playability-wise, um isn't more polished that's when i think i'll be more like mm, pokemon mm -hmm. come on game freak yeah you've had more time hopefully you've had more time except when they drop like <laughs> pokemon gold and silver 3d ultra mm -hmm. edition on the switch <laughs> next year um <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Gonna, it's gonna look like a street fighter time <laughs> god damn it <laughs> but no, i i don't know i mean the world of pokemon is interesting in its own right um, they keep expanding on it and growing it to more regions, more Pokemon get added to the list all the time, which is fun. I don't know, for people like me, I think the thing that's that's kept me from playing it is that fear of missing out. There are so many generations of Pokemon I haven't even touched. And I guess not being able to experience those Pokemon is the sacrifice you have to make to play the newer games. Because, um, yes, you can go back and play the old games, but the transfer between games has always been a little weird. Um, but who knows? I don't know. It, it seems fun. I mean, people who have played it make it sound fun, so... <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I enjoy it. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of Pokemon missing. We don't have all 1,000 Pokemon. or I don't know what the actual final count is, but we don't have every single Pokemon that's available in this game, sadly. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, they, how can they not do that? Fuck it. I don't care. I don't care what the reasoning is. It's okay. Guess what? We didn't always have over more than 151 Pokemon. Eat a dick. <laughs> Otherwise than that, like I said, I recommend it. Um, if you don't want to pay full price for it, I'm seeing certain places already have it on sale for like 10 bucks off, and that's really, that's the best deal you're going to get on it. It's a fucking Pokemon Nintendo game. And Nintendo games, Pokemon games especially, do not go down in price. Um, <laughs> if they do, they it's not. usually like a side story kind of thing, like a... Uh, mm -hmm. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon or something like that. Yes. Yeah, they don't go up in price, and if anything, they just skyrocket in price yeah. every time. 
<laughs> All right, Nate. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? Uh, we're not going to talk. We're not doing the thing in this. We're doing that separate mm-hmm. because, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that is all for now. All right. Well, hey, thank you for joining us on another episode of Space Time Taco. Uh, if you like what you hear, see what we do, uh, you can follow us on all the social media. Um, just search Space Time Taco. We're, we're back on Tumblr, technically. I'm still working on it. Um, there's new things we might be going to. We don't know yet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Tumblr is a weird fucking hellhole right now. Um, if you want to hear our spoiler cast for Wakanda Forever, which we're going to do this right after this. Maybe Kim will come join us for a little bit. I don't know yet. Um, you just gotta, you know, throw us a buck. I think I made it so it's a buck. Might be five. I don't remember. I'll have to look into it. Uh, over on Patreon, get access to any of that exclusive content uh, and more as we update it and change as things go on. Um, if you want to see more of me, hear more of me. Space, nope. Fuck it. Time of Rito, <laughs> literally everywhere. Him, only on Twitter. For as long as it exists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I no, think Twitter's going to stick around. No. It's just hopefully going to he's going to find somebody else to take over. It'll probably stick around. I am going to say that I may <laughs> be starting an Instagram soon. Ooh. Not for... You will not see pictures of me on my Instagram because I never take pictures of myself. You will see pictures of all the minis i'll be painting okay <laughs> um i'm working on i got a whole new folding table to paint on instead of this little dining table i was painting on for a long time um i've got some new tools on the desk got some new brushes as well um and i'm working on probably one of the most difficult models in my starter box right now okay. so well <clears throat> go make sure you can get a little teapot on there if not we have to get two different usernames and I'll throw them both up when we're <laughs> doing the editing for us. Um, but yeah, go inside and play video games.